One of the most famous artists in history is the Italian painter and sculptor Michelangelo. One of his most famous works is the painting that is in the Sistine Chapel in Rome. I can't see it, I trust it's up there. And, uh, oh, there it is, okay. We have a little secret screen down here. And the Sistine Chapel in Rome has all of these figures on the top, which can be uh, pretty complex, and you have to focus on each individual one. There's some 30, 40 different scenes, but we tend to focus on the most famous, which is the image of creation of humanity in which God is touching Adam in the creative act. And that picture stays with us. And um, we focus even more closely on the critical point of contact where the fingers of God are about to touch the fingers of man. I think later generations, you know, Michelangelo was kind of uh, controversial in his day and not everyone was happy that he painted on the ceiling of a church a nude Adam. And, and so focusing on the fingers was good. <laughs> Consider this touch. It's the magic moment, the magic first moment of human history on earth. It's the beginning of us. But that beginning really represents the beginning of all things. Because this creation of humanity in God's image was the final act of the whole creation. The awesome multidimensional interaction between God and his creation. He makes the wonder that we experience in nature. And the more we know, the more in awe we are. Now, I, maybe I knew about this once, but I had forgotten that 1957, how many of you remember that year? <laughs> I was in college. 1957 was the International Geophysical Year. And this was a time when 67 countries of the world joined to combine their scientific knowledge and to commit to study the Earth. And it was the end of the space race in the Cold War and the time of coming together. And so here is a commemorative stamp done in 1957 by the United States Postal Service a three-cent stamp. <laughs> that would get you there, you see. Wow. And, and the symbol they chose for the International Phys Geophysical Year was that Michelangelo classic figure of creation. Now, I did a little research online because I said, how conscious was the church ball? I went through old records articles in Christianity Today and other major magazines of that time 
I found hardly any mention of the fact that 1957 was the geophysical year. And as far as I can tell, the Christian community did not understand how important that was. And ironically, the post office department saw the spiritual dimensions. The secular world saw something that we Christians did not see. Our scripture passage today is about that. And it's found in Colossians chapter 1, going to begin with verse 16. He, if you read the context, it's very clear that he is Jesus Christ specifically. It is God, but it is God as God the Son. He is the image of the invisible God. Just think of how much is packed into that. Genesis says human beings are created in God's image. But he, the son, is here in the image of the invisible God. So if we see ourselves in Jesus, we are seeing what God sees in us. He is the image of what God intended in creation. But that's not all of creation. And we tend to see the world as focused on us and our images and our interests. And we don't recognize how complex God's creation is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. What does that mean? I mean, we could just spend the rest of the day thinking about that phrase. What does it mean? that Jesus Christ, as man in the image of God, is the firstborn of all creation, whatever you can think of in creation. And then he goes on to say, things, invis things visible and invisible, the forces we don't even see or have any understanding of, the, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Oh. Um, it just, it renders you speechless just to imagine what that means. And he himself, again, the Lord Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this is a very lofty view of who Jesus is, not as a man born in time, but as the eternal son of God. It's a powerful argument for the Trinity as Christians embrace that truth. He is the firstborn of all creation and in him, it all hangs together. The balances that we see in nature that keep the forces from destroying each other and ripping us all apart. They're all held together in him. Oh, the pictures in my mind, this is kind of symbolizes the way I feel. This young woman is discovering science. Those are all scientific formulas. The earth, all of this knowledge and all of it 
is speaking to her of God. That's the way I see this picture. God is the one who makes it all hang together. Now, we have different ways of reacting to this. Our brother, uh, Ty Garrison, who was up here before, we call him uh, the uh, nature guy or the science guy. What? Well, he's, he's, our, he's our person. And, and some of you may have seen the pictures that he posted from uh, Mammoth. And I, I, the way I read this is Ty looks at nature and he sees things and he feels things and he can't put them into words, so he tries to put them into picture. And he buys the most expensive camera <laughs> so that he can try to capture all of this. And my, those are awesome pictures. But they don't, they don't tell you everything Ty was feeling in that moment. Because you can't put those feelings into words. In the early 1800s, uh, Henry Walden, and um, Henry David Thoreau, uh, who wrote Walden Pond, it's about sitting by this small lake in northeast Massachusetts and just taking it all in. And an example of how nature affected him is this uh, word from his book, a lake is a landscape. Is, uh, a lake is a landscape's most beautiful and expressive feature. It is Earth's eye looking into what the beholder measures, the depth of his own nature. Looking into a lake is like Earth's eye and seeing the depth of who you are. That's the way um, Thoreau described it. But you know, if you study that, Walden Pond is what is known as a kettle lake. And that's a lake that's formed not because of rivers flowing into it, but it's a lake that's formed because of the retreating glaciers. And they scooped out an area and left this kettle lake behind. And it's filled with water through the rains. So when you look at that lake, that Walden Pond, you can see the whole geological history, if you know enough, of that part of the world. And the more you look, the more you see. I was moved by Thoreau. I was also moved in my uh, early growth and knowledge of nature by a man by the name of Fabre, John Henry Fabre, who was a French naturalist. And I read a book in which he talked about just the things he saw in his own backyard. He wrote the most eloquent things, dear insects, my study of you has sustained me and continues to sustain me in my heaviest trials. I must take leave of you for today. The ranks are thinning round me and the long hopes have fled. Shall I be able to speak of you again? Well, sometimes I get solaced by talking to insects, don't you? <laughs> he talks about the cricket song. He talks about the spider now. You, you, you maybe see a spider and you can't wait to crush him. I, I look at the spider and I wonder how his day has been. Because he's just sitting there. What is he doing? What did he do last night? Does he go home to a family? See, I think of, I think of stuff like this. And so I think I'm a kindred spirit to 
Ty Garrison and to Henry Thoreau and to Fabre. And uh, maybe you have a little of that in you. But here's an image I came upon that shows the touching hands in a little different way. Yeah. So touching nature is touching God. For certain people in certain circumstances. And I think we're in touch with what Paul is trying to say to us here in Colossians. Touching creation is touching God. Continuing in our passage, there's an interesting change because he's talked about the universe, all of creation, how it all hangs together. And then he moves in verse 18 to another subject. He, the Lord Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now he is the firstborn of all creation. Now he is the firstborn from the dead. The beginning, the firstborn. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's in Christ's work in the church. Now he said the same thing about Christ's work in creation. Isn't that fascinating? And he has now reconciled, uh, excuse me, I skipped something here. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself in all things, whether on earth, in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Now, you have Jesus at the center of human history, the man who comes to make God real to us and to be our savior is also the savior of creation. And he keeps flipping back and forth. He's come down from the glory of creation and God's hand in that and now shown the glory of God's hand in the church, the work of Christ here on earth and he has made peace through this. But he steps down even further from the creation to the church to an individual. And you, think Adam, this is verse 21. And you, like Adam, like that finger reaching up, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the fleshly body through death to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. His death and your death seem to be alluded to there. And the process of, of identifying with Christ in his death means identifying with him in his resurrection and with the renewal of all nature keeps going from the individual to the church to creation. Verse 23, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from, what is our sermon series? The hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every person in the world. No, it says, to every creature under heaven, to all of creation. And then he 
comes back down to the individual. I, Paul. Here, I am one person. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now, Connie, listen. This is for you because you had some questions earlier. Okay. I am now rejoicing in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I am, okay, you ready for this, Pastor Connie? Completing what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Us, I mean, the identification of our suffering with Christ's suffering. And it is somehow chapter two of Christ's suffering. But no, it's not chapter two of Christ's suffering because it goes back to the first death in the beginning of creation, to the first sin. It's all part of the suffering that is preparing for the renewal. All, whether it's an individual or all of creation, the loving work of God the Redeemer. This, these afflictions which I am completing in verse 24 is for the church, for the sake of his body, that is, the church. In verse 25, I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, that's a powerful word. We're going to see it later as well. The mystery that has been hidden through the ages and generations. Not just through the beginning of my life, but go back, go back, go back. The mystery has been built into creation. Hidden, but it's now been revealed to his saints. You guys are into something that my spider friend would love to know. And that all of the suffering creatures, including humans of all generations, are someday going to understand. You have received this revelation. To you, God chose, this is verse 27, to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's to make sure we understand it's all of humanity who will come to know this. What are the riches of, his of the glory of this mystery? The unimaginable fulfillment that we don't understand all of creation is, at another passage Paul says is, groaning together in travail to give birth to this new thing. And here's what it is. Oh, we're ready for this. Verse 27. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In you? I mean, really. In you. Christ in you. That's... That's the revelation of the mystery which is going to redeem all of creation. Do you understand how powerful this is? Christ in you is the hope of glory. 
It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So this sermon series we have been calling Dimensions of Hope. We've been on it for several weeks now. And this is our final dimension of hope. And we can call it cosmic hope. Because our hope is the hope of the whole church, of all peoples, of all of nation, nature for all time. We are all calling out for redemption to the creator God who is our only hope. But it is revealed in the life of the believer. And you're suffering, Pastor Connie. Christ in you, the hope of glory. First in your life, in your life, in my life, Second, in the church that we are part of. Third, in all of creation. So just as, as Paul started with the creation and then narrowed in on the church and then narrowed in on the individual believer, so the experience of redemption, which we are privileged to have, which is the revelation of the mystery, which the church wants to know about, all creation wants to know about, but it's revealed in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's that touching finger again. Burn this image into your mind. Touching nature is touching God. Touching suffering is touching God. And when our young people told us it's all about loving God and loving others, they were really on to something. It is that beginning with the individual and then going out beyond that to the world around us and to all of creation. So your life, uh, seem petty and small and insignificant? Do you long to be somebody, something that matters? Well, through Jesus' infusion of resurrection life into you, Christ in you becomes the hope of glory, is the key to the resurrection of the entire creation. Think of that today when you say a nice word to someone instead of lashing out of them. Think of it when you pet your dog. Part of the redemption of creation. When you refuse to kill that ant When you do your part to save the planet, we're not gonna do that, God's gonna do that. But our participation in the work of 
reconciliation, redemption, renewal. It's part of our manifest destiny as people in Christ. The hope of glory is in you. So, you want something big to be part of? That big enough for you? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for something. I mean, we asked for something big, but this is too big. It is amazing how you keep your hand on everything that you've created. You keep that creative touch. And that creative touch is a touch of salvation and renewal in us. And by your grace, it can be the beginning of transformation of everything around us. Help us to see the longing we have when we experience nature. Help us to see that as a call to praise you more completely, to give ourselves with more dedication to your purpose in the church and in the world with eternity's values in view. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.